Hello, I'm Ollie Mann, and welcome to Why? Adventures to the Edge of Knowledge. In each episode, we dissect one scientific conundrum to get a better understanding of ourselves and our universe. In 2010, a film hit the big screens that blew audiences away. Christopher Nolan's science fiction blockbuster, Inception, presented us with a world where some people could not only control their dreams, but manipulate entire realities within them, folding landscapes like paper. You may have heard the scientific term lucid dreaming, coined by Dutch psychiatrist Frederick van Eden in 1913. It takes place during the REM phase of sleep, and half of all adults report having had at least one lucid dream in their lives. Over a fifth of us experience them once per month or more, although not to the thrilling extent of inception. But what if you could learn how to control your dreams? What if, instead of being submissive to the narrative thread, you could decide the story as it unfolds. And what advantages might that bring to your health? Extensive studies since the 1970s suggest lucid dreams may bring therapeutic benefits and even an improvement in motor skills. And the really good news, there are techniques to help induce them. So, how exactly can I control my dreams? It may be that if you try to develop a more positive attitude to dreams and take an interest in them, that what can be found then is the number of dreams you start to recall increases. Mark Blagrove is Professor of Psychology and Director of the Sleep Lab at Swansea University. It gives you something really quite extraordinary to think about. It can increase your level of awe at what is possible in the world. So, is it really possible to control our dreams? It's certainly possible to control our dreams if you become lucid. And what lucidity means, as you've said, is that you know that you're dreaming while you're dreaming and the dream carries on. So you don't just suddenly wake up and think, oh, I knew that was a dream. But you carry on and you're within the plot of the dream. You could, if you want to, simply observe it happening with the knowledge that this is all a dream and this is made up by myself and it's not reality. But as you've just said, what you can also do is to control the plot of it. So for example, you could decide to introduce someone you know into the dream, or you could decide to do something such as fly, or in one of the early reports of lucid dreams, a person decided to break a vase just to see if the vase was broken, how their dream would depict the vase. So you can, you can change the plot in that sense, yes. That's such an interesting thing, particularly the idea of smashing up furniture. I've had that thing where I kind of half woken up and thought, well, oh, that was a good dream, I'll go back to it. Do you know what I mean? Like I'll choose to go back into the dream. And I suppose at that point, I am lucid dreaming, even though I wasn't before. But the thing I sort of wouldn't risk doing, I think, <laughs> in the dream is breaking something or harming myself, because what if it isn't a dream? 
yes, you can sometimes wish to go back into a dream, in which case you may just have a non-lucid dream, one of the more ordinary type dreams where you're not aware of dreaming. But it's certainly true that if you do something in a lucid dream, you might not fully be aware of all the consequences also being imaginary. So in one paper that was in 1992 on dreaming, the author wrote about how they wanted to break some bars from a window and throw them down onto some roof tiles underneath and was worried about, oh my goodness, what happens if this isn't a dream and it's real and I've got to pay for the roof tiles. So although in a lucid dream, you know it's a dream, you might also have these doubts about it, or you might actually think, oh no, I don't want to do this because it will upset that person even though you know that person's not real. Therefore, it would seem that if you're having those kinds of thoughts, maybe you're not in such a deep sleep. Would that be true? It's certainly true that it appears from experiments on this that your brain is more active in the state when you're actually able to achieve lucidity. And this is the basis for one of the methods for training oneself to have lucid dreams, which is to wake up early, be awake for an hour or two, and then go back to sleep. And the REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep that occurs then is more activated and more active. Your brain's more active than normally. And that can then lead you to have a lucid dream because your brain is more active. Why do you think it is that if you have a disturbed pattern of sleep like that, waking yourself up deliberately for a few hours, that you are more likely to have a lucid dream? Well, if you've woken up and then been awake and then go back to sleep, you've in a way pushed your sleep period to later in the day, the final period of sleep, when the brain activity and indeed your body temperature will have been rising to a more daytime level. So that's why being able to push a period of sleep to later in the day, later in the morning, can help you to achieve this activity. It's also been found that if you have electrical stimulation of the frontal lobe of the brain, that that can also achieve a higher level of lucidity. And so there's a method in which people have a small electrical current passed across their brain and these two sort of metal electrodes are put on the front of their head, that that can make the frontal lobe become a little bit more activated and can lead the person to be more lucid in their dreams. I mean, that sounds like fascinating research, but it doesn't sound like a nice night's sleep. Yes, indeed. And one of the cautions that some researchers are now putting out is, are the methods used to induce lucid dreams harmful to your sleep quality? And so therefore, please don't do them all the time because your wish to have these lucid dreams may override your physical health by disrupting your sleep. Why would people want to have those lucid dreams? Because it sounds fun once, but I mean, in general, I'm quite happy having boring dreams. I'm quite happy for my dreams to go wherever my subconscious wants to go. Why do you want to control them? Yes, that's true. And in fact, your ordinary dreams are often not boring at all because they are produced by you without any intent. And they can have amazing metaphors in them about your waking life. And they can even give you hints about things that you only have an inkling of or things you haven't tied together in your waking life with your previous memories. And so there is a reason to have the more ordinary 
dreams. And I say ordinary in the sense just that they're non-lucid. They're certainly quite extraordinary and many dreams that people have and very, very vivid. But the reason why some people want to have lucid dreams is because they can purely be fun. So you could be in an environment where you want to fly. I'm afraid it's quite common in the scientific literature and at scientific conferences People talk about doing experiments on these to get people to practice a skill in their sleep. And I'm afraid lots of people get diverted into sexual activity. And so there can be that motivation for people having lucid dreams, and that can quite famously interfere with the worthiness of doing experiments on lucid dreams. I mean, in general, who are the guinea pigs that come to the sleep lab to be monitored in this way? Because you'd sort of struggle to fall asleep under lab conditions, wouldn't you? Well, that's an interesting thing, actually. We've done quite a lot of NAP studies at Swansea University in the sleep laboratory. And the interesting thing is that as long as you've got youngish people, you know, and people who are students, they almost always manage to fall asleep and have a nap. And this is even if they're not used to having naps, you know, if they're in this nice, quiet, very hotel-like environment of being in the bed, they do actually fall asleep. And so one of the prerequisites is that you don't normally take too long falling asleep. If you meet that prerequisite, then if you're given the chance to nap, you normally can nap. The other reason people may volunteer for this is they already have a few lucid dreams. And some of the experiments are designed to see whether you can boost the number of lucid dreams that they have. And you may indeed even have people who've never had one who are simply intrigued. And we did a recent study in the sleep lab at Swansea University in which even people who'd never had lucid dreams before were having naps. And it was a very intense method where red lights were shined at the person while they were in rapid eye movement sleep and a little electronic tune occurred as well. Those stimuli went into their dreams. And while they were in the dream, that reminded them, ah, I'm asleep. And then they had a lucid dream. So we even had people who were intrigued about lucid dreams and who never had one. And they were able to have them. But of course, the main prerequisite would be you've got to usually have a dream every time you wake up. Because if people are not really good at recalling dreams, then their chances of having a lucid dream really do plummet. Hmm. What's the average then in terms of dream recollection? I feel like I kind of remember two or three a week. Two or three a week would put you in the top third of recall. Various surveys have been done, and the general summary of them is that about a third of the population recall dreams at least once a week, a third of the population at least once a month, and then a third of the population less than that. So they may even have dreams, say, once a year. So it's, it's about a third, third, and a third. Okay. So for the rest of us, what can we do to train our brains to be more like those people where we have more dream recollection in the first place and therefore might be in a position where we can try and train our brain to lucid dream? There's one personality characteristic that frequent dream recallers tend to have, and this is what's called positive attitude to dreaming. So there's a questionnaire which measures whether or not you've got a positive attitude to dreams. You think they're interesting, for example, or a negative attitude, which can include items on the questionnaire like, you know, I don't really trust people, or it's a waste of time, people discussing their dreams or recalling their dreams. And there's a correlation between people who have a positive attitude to dreams and how often people recall dreams. Now, it may be that if you 
try to develop a more positive attitude to dreams and take an interest in them, that what can be found then is the number of dreams you start to recall increases. It may be that you've just had the same amount as you've always had, but that you're becoming better at noticing them when you wake up and remembering them. And so certainly for people who decide to start meticulously and thoroughly recording their dreams in the morning on an iPhone or on a piece of paper, they can find that their number of dreams they recall increases. And they may then be the type of people who could then occasionally have a lucid dream as well. That's so interesting. Let's talk about this research then. People who do have lucid dreams already, how do they boost the frequency of those lucid dreams, albeit under lab conditions? Yes. Well, they can certainly do it in lab conditions if they are being given stimuli when they're in rapid eye movement sleep, and that can increase their number of lucid dreams. There are masks which are sold on the internet which you put onto your eyes during sleep and they can spot whether or not your eyes are moving during sleep. And if your eyes are moving, they flash lights at you. And so for non-lucid dreamers and lucid dreamers who want to have more lucid dreams, that type of device can work. What it does is it changes your dream. So you may get sort of a red tinge to the dream, or you may see red objects in the dream or red flashing lights even in the dream. And that reminds you that you're in a dream. And then you may think, ah, am I dreaming or am I awake? And then you realize, no, I am actually dreaming. So there are those methods that can be used for increasing lucid dreams. And the other method is, even if you are somebody who has lucid dreams, if you spend waking life some of the time thinking, am I awake or am I dreaming? that type of question can go over into your dream. Or if something strange happens to you, you might think, oh, that's strange. Am I awake or am I dreaming? And that type of questioning of bizarreness can then spread into your dreams and make you more likely to ask the question, am I dreaming or am I awake? And then hopefully you'll get the correct answer because don't forget that a lot of the time you don't get the correct answer. You just get the answer, oh, don't worry, you're awake. Whereas what you actually want is the correct answer, which is you are dreaming. And please keep that knowledge in mind now. So, lucid dreaming is very real, knowing you're dreaming as you're asleep. But the really fun bit is how you can choose to do something with that information and choose your own adventure. How can we do that? For doing that, you can pretty much just imagine what you would like to imagine happening. I remember a dream a few years back where I wanted someone to come into a dream and I was next to some lifts. And so when the lift door opened, I made it that it was that person then coming out of the lift. It is possible to do that. Another possibility in a lucid dream, if you really want to say change the scene, one method that's been devised is that you can walk into a wall. And as you walk into the wall, everything goes black. And as you come out, you can often come into a different scene because of that. So that's another method that people have to alter the dream. So in the dream, if you become aware that you're dreaming, Deliberately try and walk into a wall. 
Yes. And that's a method that has been used to change the scene. If you want a completely new scene, one that's in a way not determined by you yourself, you know, you will walk through the wall, you still know you're dreaming, and then you see this new dream occur. So this, again, is this mix of the fact that you are partially in control of the dream, but partially another part of your mind or your brain is still producing the dream. It's a mix of the two, whereas in our normal dreams, the whole thing is created by a part of your mind. And what are the advantages to it beyond the pleasures that you've expressed? I mean, what are the health benefits? One health benefit could be that it gives you something really quite extraordinary to think about. It's like watching an amazing film or a sunset or things like that. It can increase your level of awe at what is possible in the world. So that's one possibility. You know, it's something that's non-mundane happening to you. Another possibility is it could make you feel a bit more self-actualizing. You know, I can manage this or I can do this. You know, isn't that interesting that I have this ability? So that could be quite beneficial to people. And the other possibility is for nightmares, what's been found is that lucid dreams are now accredited as a method for overcoming nightmares, in that if you're able to have lucid dreams, you can think to yourself, no, I'm going to change this plot now. Or you might think, well, actually, this plot isn't real. I'm not going to be as frightened of it as I was when I thought it was real. There is a slight downside to that, that it's, first of all, somebody might not manage to achieve lucid dreams, in which case it could make the nightmares worse. Or alternatively, they are what are known as lucid nightmares, where you know that a nightmare isn't real, but you just can't get out of it and it's still terrifying. So there are benefits to lucid dreaming, but there is also the possibility that they may not be beneficial to some people. Those are all mental health benefits. Understandably, you're a professor of psychology, but are there physical benefits as well? There are physical benefits that have been claimed because people who research practice and the practicing of physical skills, such as playing tennis or, or other things, have claimed that if you have a period of doing some motor skill during a lucid dream, then that can aid your, your waking life performance. Now, there is a caveat to that, which is that in a way, the people who've practiced this motor skill during their dream, which must be very exciting and exhilarating that they've managed to do this, you're not quite sure whether or not they've actually increased their ability to do the skill, or whether the person just wakes up in an extreme motivated state, and that it's the motivation that's been boosted rather than the actual skill. Could it be that we've evolved to not generally be lucid when we're dreaming? That is very possible. Now, we did an experiment at Swansea University where we took frequent lucid dreamers who have lucid dreams at least once a week they were having, or ones who were having them once in their lifetime, or people who never have them. And what we found was that the frequent lucid dreamers have what's called internal locus of control. An internal locus of control means that the person feels in charge of their own life as opposed to feeling that their life is under the control of chance or powerful other people. So it was as if that personality trait goes over into people's dreams and causes them to occasionally feel like they're in charge of the dream. 
Now, that's very different from the ordinary dreams, or when I say ordinary, I just mean non-lucid dreams that people can have in which they don't realize that they are dreaming. Now, one possibility, as you've just said, is that it may be that we've evolved to have dreams that are not lucid. Now, that may have occurred because, for example, in waking life, we've no doubt evolved to be in charge of our lives, to notice things, to question things, to have daydreams, and to question what we're remembering, that type of thing. You know, it's very beneficial to have all of this questioning going on. You know, did I really experience that? Or what's this person just told me? Now, it may very well be if those processes carried on when you're asleep, we would just have all these dreams in which we're questioning everything and it would really be quite possibly be quite exhausting. So one proposal that's been put forward is that we've actually evolved to have dreams where even if something weird happens, we don't question, am I awake or am I dreaming? Because it's just too much for us to be continually questioning. But another reason why we may have evolved not to be lucid in our dreams is the possibility that we dream for a purpose and for a function. And our dreams in which we're not controlling the plot may be the ones that have a function and are fulfilling some function. And there's various possibilities for that. There's one possibility is called the threat simulation theory, which holds that in dreams you practice overcoming simulated threats. Now, in that situation, you know, you've got to run away from a lion or whatever, or fight with people or argue with people. Under that situation, if people all the time knew, oh, this is just a dream, they're not going to take it seriously. Or alternatively, the theory that in dreams, you put together your recent with your past memories, and you knit them together in some novel creative associations that if you kept interfering with that by thinking, oh, but this is all a dream, isn't it? That would stop that purpose happening. And the new theory that's been devised by myself and my my co-author, Julia Lockhart, is that we've actually evolved to have dreams that are worth telling to other people because they disclose ourselves to other people and they cause other people to have empathy towards us. And one possibility is that we've evolved to have that type of emotional dream that's full of characters and our references to our social world. If instead of having those metaphorical interesting dreams that you then tell to other people and you explore with them, if instead you're spending your time flying and just doing quite ordinary things, you know, because, oh, I've realized it was a dream, it wouldn't have quite self-revelatory and empathy-eliciting features that these dreams that we ordinarily have do have. And just to return finally to my theme of Christopher Nolan's Inception that I talked about in the intro, in that film, the characters join together in one dream at one point and even manipulate other people's dreams. Could that be possible one day? Theoretically, that is possible. What we're talking about with the inception type situation is could you actually have one person in their dream controlling the other person's experience as well? And so that they do end up with a sort of a common dream between them. Now, up to a few years ago, that was thought to be absolutely impossible. But the very interesting thing is that some very clever people in America have come out with a possible solution to that. And what they've done is they've used the fact that 
For many years, there was arguments about, are lucid dreams real dreams? Are you actually sleeping? And some people, including Sigmund Freud, said, no, you're not actually dreaming at that point. It's a very vivid type of daydream. And so what was discovered in the 1980s was that you could tell the person before they go to sleep in the sleep lab, right, if you have a lucid dream, if you start to have a lucid dream, signal with your eyes, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, four times. We'll then wake you up and ask you whether you are having a lucid dream. And what was found was that people in lucid dreams can signal to the experimenter that they're in a lucid dream. Now that was done from the 1980s until quite recently, and it's still the standard method for what's called signal verified lucid dream. But what people then realized was, ah, if I can signal I'm in a lucid dream, maybe I could signal something else. Maybe I could signal a more signal. Maybe I could signal whole sentences. Maybe I could actually respond even to questions that are given to me during the lucid dream. And so there was a paper in Current Biology two years back, whose lead author was Karen Concoli, in which they had posed questions to people, either by speaking to them softly during sleep, or by another method was tapping Morse code signals at them in their sleep to ask them biographical questions or to give them small arithmetic questions. That then went into the person's dreams and the person was able to signal back out of the dream the answer. So the person is in a dream, they know they're in a dream and they get this message coming in, you know, what is two plus two? And they signal back four. So the person who's in a dream knows, okay, there's someone out there to signal to, and they're going to signal to me. Now, in theory, what could happen is rather than having an experimenter and a dreamer, you could actually have two dreamers and you could have one dreamer signaling to the other one. So although what you said about, is it possible to have an inception type scenario at the time of that film, occurring, people would have just thought absolutely impossible. Because we now know that lucid dreamers can receive information and signal out, that is now actually quite amazingly and intriguingly possible. So yes. So, there are proven methods to help someone have a lucid dream. But for some of us, it will never be possible. Even if you're one of the lucky few who can, it can be an exhausting experience. But you do get to fly. And who knows? One day, join Leo DiCaprio in the dreamscape. That's all from us today on Why. Thank you to Professor Mark Blagrove. And thank you, Ollie. We'll be back with more scientific anomalies, conundrums, and weird facts soon. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you don't miss an edition. And you can follow us on social media as well. Links are in the show notes. I've been Ollie Mann asking why. See you next time. Why was written and presented by Ollie Mann. The lead producer was Anne-Marie Luff. And the audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. And the group editor is Andrew Harrison. Artwork is by James Parrott. Theme music is by DJ Food. Why is a Podmasters production.